Welcome back. Um, how many of you remember to pray in Darus Salaam? Good, mashallah. Give me a thumbs up if it was a good experience. Okay, great, great, excellent, mashallah. All right, this section is about, or sorry, before we move on, why am I talking about negative thoughts and what does it have to do with salah? Just to, you know, talk about the big picture. We're talking about dua here. And the, the theory or the law states that if you have negative energy, negative emotions, negative feelings, negative thoughts, you're going to be attracting these negative things in your life. And you're going to get your chances of duas being accepted are going to be lower, right? So that's the whole point. The more positive your thoughts are and the more positive you th your feelings are, the more happy you are, the more at peace you are, the more, inshallah, Allah will answer your du'as easily, right? And that's really the, um, that's the benefit of du'a. So, um, what we're talking about now is the concept of destiny, right? Because this is another controversial topic where there's different views, right? Some people think that destiny is pre-written. Some people think that, no, we write our own destiny. So what is it in reality? Or what is my understanding of destiny? We write our own destiny. This is Allah's gift to us. This idea of freedom of choice, right? This idea that if you have been given the choice to do good things versus bad things, you have been given the ability to write your own destiny. And dua can change your destiny. Dua, according to Sahih Hadith, can change your destiny. It can make your life longer, right? It can do amazing things in your life, this idea of dua. So you, write, you being able to write your destiny is actually a gift. And for a lot of people, they you know, have this negative idea about my qadr is bad, therefore I can't do anything about it, right? My qadr is that I'm poor, I can't do anything about it. My qadr is that I can't get married, I'll never get married. My qadr is that, you know, I am obese or I'm unhealthy and I'll live with it. This idea of blaming qadr for your misfortunes, blaming qadr for your sufferings, you can't do that, right? Because Allah is fair. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, one of his names is Al-Adl. He gives everybody equal opportunity. So all of us have an equal opportunity to live a life of health, wealth, love, and relationships, and success, and happiness. Do not blame Allah for your sufferings. Do not blame shaitan or shushu for your sufferings. Don't blame destiny for your sufferings. Don't blame Obama for your sufferings. Don't blame the government for your sufferings. Don't blame your in-laws for your sufferings. Don't blame anybody, right? You blame yourself. You are the only one. You have been given the ability to change your destiny. So what are you waiting for? Right? What are you waiting for? And look at this beautiful ayah. Allah does not wrong people even the slightest bit. But it is people who themselves wrong themselves. Okay? Very clear ayah. And another ayah Allah says, مَا أَصَابَكَ مِنْ حَسَنَةٍ فَمِنَ اللَّهِ Whatever good happens to you is from Allah. And whatever, وَمَا أَصَابَكَ مِنْ سَيِّئَةٍ فَمِنْ نَفْسِكَ And whatever calamity befalls on you, whatever difficulties come your way, is because of yourself. Don't blame anybody else. You have attracted this in your life. 
Okay? And you know, I'll give you the example of Yunus alayhi salam. So Yunus alayhi salam was a prophet, with a noon. What happened to him? He got angry on his people and decided to leave his people. Is that positive energy or negative? What did he attract in his life? A problem. What was the problem? He got swallowed by a whale, right? Pretty big problem to be, at, you know? So look at what Allah says. وَذَنُّونَ إِذَّهَبَ مُغَاضِبًا He left angrily. فَظَنَّ أَلَّا نَقْدِرَ عَلَيْهِ He thought that we can't change his destiny. He thought he's a prophet, his destiny can't change. What did Allah do? He changed his destiny to be in a big test in a whale. But then Prophet Yunus, of course, he's a prophet, so he knows how to deal with these situations. Right? He's not going to blame the whale for his problems. He's not going to blame the Qadar or Allah or Shaitan. What does he say? Fanada dhulumat. And he calls on in the darknesses of the whale and the darknesses of the ocean and the darkness of the night. Fanada dhulumati and la ilaha illa ant subhanak inni kuntu min al-zalimin. I have wronged myself. He admitted that he is in the driver's seat. He got himself into this mess. And what did Allah do the moment he made this dua? Remove the calamity. It's that simple, right? And so we see how Qadr is changing here for Yunus salam. From a prophet, his Qadr changed to being tested in a whale. And then after the dua, the dua changes Qadr to being saved from that test. Right? And, be, and escaping that trial. And so this is what dua can do. So what, what we understand here is whenever a calamity falls on you, this is a sign from Allah that you're going off track. You've messed up somewhere. You've said something hurtful to someone. You've cheated in your job. You've been messing around with some of other people's rights. You've broken a promise here and there. You've been rude to someone. You've ha you have some hidden sins that you're you know, suffering from. And therefore, these problems are supposed to get you back on track. These are actually gifts to bring you back on track so that you can accept your mistakes. And that is breaking of the ego, by the way, because what, what does the ego person do? Does he admit his mistakes? He blames, you know, Israel and ISIS and, you know, Shaitan and Qadr and all these other things. He blames external parties. It's very difficult for someone with ego to accept the blame on themselves. But the, I, the right attitude here is you accept that you have messed up. You accept that Allah is you know, forgiving and merciful and that He will, inshallah, change your qadr the moment you accept and seek forgiveness. He is merciful. He is eternally merciful. You know, a tawab. So, op look at this optimistically, right? Allah has given you the opportunity to design your life through your du'as. And a small tip here is whenever you pray, let's say you're praying dhuhr, right? How many rak'ahs in dhuhr? How many rak'ahs in dhuhr? Okay, there's four rak'ahs in dhuhr. Okay. <laughs> yeah, four rak'ahs in dhuhr. How many sajdas in dhuhr? Eight. Okay. So a tip here is, you know, because you're recommended to do du'a in your sujood, right? Why? Because it's the closest you get to who? To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some scholars even go to the fact that sujood is equivalent to hugging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is embracing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.
And so you want to spend as much time as you want in there, in that position, right? Being cl- the closest you are to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have this amazing positive energy, now you make your du'as. And so the tip here is, if you're praying a four rak'ah salah, before you pray, think of eight du'as that you want to make. And a tip here is don't repeat the same du'as. Why? You don't need to. You don't need to repeat the same du'as to Allah once. I'll give you an example to make this very clear. Let's say I'm in need of money to pay off my debt. Tomorrow is a deadline. I need to pay back my bank, let's say 500 dinars. Otherwise, I go to jail. So I call up friend A. Bro, can you help me? I need some money. He says, sorry, bro. Can't help you. I'm tight this month. Another brother, call someone else. Call my neighbor. Call my friend. All of them say no. At the end, I'm, I'm, how am I feeling? Miserable, sad, right? Out of the blue, a random friend calls me up at 12 midnight and he says, hey bro, I just heard that you need some money. Uh, don't worry about it. Tomorrow, nine o'clock, come to my office. The check will be ready on the table. How do I feel now? Relief, right? Whew, alhamdulillah. And, you know, obviously I trust this friend. I know that he's trustworthy. He's not lying, right? So I'll feel relaxed. I'm gonna have a, am I going to have a peaceful sleep or peaceless sleep? Peaceful sleep. Will I, after half an hour, call my friend again and say, hey, bro, the check, please, huh? tomorrow, 9 o'clock. Will I keep calling him every half hour? Check tomorrow, please, check tomorrow. What's he eventually going to do if I do that? He's going to get annoyed, right? So, وَلِلَّهِ الْمَثَلُ الْأَعْلَى but this is what we do when, when we ask Allah over and over again. You know what, what's happening between the lines? We don't trust that Allah has accepted our du'as. And you know what's amazing about Umar He would say that when I make du'a, I thank Allah for giving me the opportunity to make du'a and I move on. I am not concerned about this tijaba because Allah has promised me it's a done deal. So his focus is on asking, not on receiving. What we're learning here is your focus should be on asking. That's it. Allah has promised it's done. If you keep asking between the lines, you are doubting. Ya Allah, did you hear me or no? Ya Allah, please, you know, listen to me. You're doubting this. So in, a, in, a, in a other words, your attitude is not the right attitude with Allah. So design your life. Think of amazing du'as you want to make and aim really high. Aim really high. There's nothing wrong with aiming high. So how to ask? You got to be specific in what you ask and this is one of the problems we have. Most Muslims today don't have visions in life. They don't know where they're heading. They don't know what they want to do with their lives. And so you ask someone if you know, the, the genie came out of the lamp for you one night and told you you have five minutes to make three wishes and guaranteed accepted. What are most people gonna do? Uh, can you please make it 10 minutes? Can I get half an hour more, please? Why, because we don't know what we want. We're not clear about what we want. And this is another th- tip here. You got to be very specific in what you ask for. Be clear. Don't be vague. Ya Allah, I want to be happy. 
Be specific. Ask for exactly what you want. Allah loves details. And you know, some theories also go to the point where you visualize what you want to ask for. You add details to it. Ya Allah, I want a house with this many rooms and this, you know, you start visualizing the future. And technically that's what dua is, right? It's visualization of the future. Like when Ibrahim salam raised his hands when he was in Mecca, when there was nothing there, it was just desert. He raised his hands and asked Allah, Ya Allah, make this city a city of peace and grant its people prosperity and peace. What was Ibrahim doing when he raised his hands? He was visualizing the city in the future. And hundreds and th thousands of years later, his dua got accepted or no? Did Ibrahim go back to Allah and say, Ya Allah, I'm still waiting, the city, there's no, there's no fruits, there's still no peace, Ya Allah? He made the dua once, done deal. Full yaqeen, it's answered. And with detail, look at Ibrahim Alayhi Salaam. Very specific, this city. Make it peaceful. And grant its people prosperity. Let me ask you this. When you go to Mecca, do you feel peace in the city or no? Yes, unlike any other city. Do you see the prosperity in that city or no? Unlike any other city in the world, right? If you own a hotel or a shawarma place there, you're set for life. Right? So this is, this is the art of making dua, and the prophets mastered this. That's what made them so special. Now the question here is, why does Allah t teach us about the duas of different prophets at different times? Is it just for entertainment purposes? It's for us to learn to make similar kinds of duas. So ask with detail and clarity. You know how like, when you drop something in, in, an, in a water or an ocean, and the ripple effect happens, what happens to the water? Is it clear or no? Can you see through the water when there's disturbance? Our thoughts are like that. Our sinful thoughts and negative thoughts are like these disturbances that mess up the clarity. You don't have clarity. And when you make dua, you're unclear. Mixed feelings, mixed messages. It's not clear and therefore you don't get anything because you're not, you don't know what you want. So think of what you want, write it down. Be specific, add details, add colors, add senses, add the smells, right? Make it specific. And this idea of abundance, don't aim low. Allah's you know, resources are unlimited. You know this idea of marketing? It's all against Allah's, you know, um, sunnah or his, his, his laws because marketing says that you need to market yourself you need to distinguish yourself because there's limited resources there's this limited pizza, pizza pie and everyone needs to fight over that pizza and if you don't market yourself well if you don't compete the pizza will be eaten by everybody else is this, uh, is this what Allah's kingdom is like limited or unlimited? Unlimited. Can it be explained through science or through economics? It can't. You just have to have that blind faith, that yaqeen. Allah's abundance works in the unseen. This is where barakah comes in, right? We can't calculate it. We can't understand it through microeconomics or macroeconomics. 
It can't be taught. It just, it's just blind faith. And that's blind faith is one of the fundamental characteristics of a believer. Allah starts Surah Al-Baqarah by saying, That book, there is no doubt about it. There is guidance in it. For who? For the muttaqeen. The first description of the muttaqeen is what? Alladheena yu'minuna bilghayb. Those who have firm belief in the unseen. So don't aim low, aim high. Allah's ab- love abundance, right? Allah's resources are unlimited. There's enough for everybody. Can Allah make all of us billionaires in this room? Yes or no? Yes. How many of you have, have asked Allah to make you billionaires? Okay, very few, like 1%. Why? Lack of yaqeen that it can be done, right? And therefore, if we don't become billionaires, who do we blame? Who do we blame? By the way, is it wrong to wish to become a billionaire? Is it haram? No. Okay. Do we need Muslim practicing, God-fearing, loving billionaires? Yes, to make this world a better place. So the Prophet understood the law of abundance and therefore when, he, when 50 prayers were prescribed, what did he do? With Musa's help. He negotiated with Allah. Can you imagine this? You can actually negotiate with Allah. You talk to him, you negotiate with him. Ya Allah, you know, you gave me this house, I don't like it that much, but can I have something bigger? Can I have a nicer car? Okay? And we're going to talk about this idea of materialism, right? That's not the goal. We are aiming, inshallah, higher for that. We'll come to that. So law, the law of attention states that whatever you pay attention to increases. So if you want to lose weight and you're paying attention to your weight every day, you're going on the scale and you're like, oh my God, I didn't lose weight. Oh my God, oh my God. And you're looking at yourself in the mirror like paying attention to your fat. Guess what? You're attracting more weight. <laughs> you can make as much du'as as you want. Ya Allah, I want to lose weight. I want to lose weight. I want to lose weight. What is the law saying? You'll get more weight, more weight, more weight. Because you're focused. Your attention is on Losing weight. It's not on becoming healthy. You need to ask for the positive thing. Ask Ya Allah, I want to be healthy. I want to be healthy. I want to be fit. I want to be, you know, nutritionally fit. So ask for positive things. Don't focus on negative things. Don't say, Ya Allah, please remove my debt. Ya Allah, remove my debt, my debt, my debt. What's your focus on? Your debt. So you're going to attract more debt. You're, you're someone who, for example, is not married. Ya Allah, I'm not married. Ya Allah, I'm not married. Ya Allah, I'm not married. You're focused on the wrong thing. Say, Ya Allah, grant me a beautiful wife. Grant me a beautiful husband. <laughs> and the law of resistance we talked about, right? Stop resisting, accept, and things will start smoothly sailing. A tip here for Fajr. How many of you, for you, waking up for Fajr is tough? Yes, so the law of resistance applies. You know why it's tough? Because we keep resisting waking up for Fajr. We keep trying to do jihad, nafs, to wake up for Fajr, and it keeps getting harder and harder and harder. Well, I have news for you today. This term jihad, nafs, is not mentioned in the Quran. Can you believe this? Allah does not want us to strive against our nafs. 
You're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to resist waking up for Fajr. So what's the proof of that? Allah says, whenever he mentions jihad, he says, وَجَاهِدُوا بِأَمْوَالِكُمْ وَأَنفُسِكُمْ The key word or the key letter here is B. وَجَاهِدُوا بِأَمْوَالِكُمْ وَأَنفُسِكُمْ Which means struggle or strive with your money and with your nafs. Don't struggle against it. Use your wealth in the path of Allah. Use your nafs in the path of Allah. So how do we understand this now? How to wake up for Fajr? Instead of telling your nafs, nafs, you gotta wake up, you stop sleeping, you gotta wake up, you gotta wake up. This is striving against your nafs, this is a negative, right? What do you do? Nafs, if you wake up for Fajr, it's gonna be amazing. We're gonna have that amazing feeling of peace and I'm gonna pray in Darus Salaam and I'm gonna have happiness and it's gonna, my day is gonna be filled with barakah. So nafs, this is good for you, nafs. How about we wake up tomorrow? Let's have a nice optimistic day, ya nafs. So you're using your nafs fi sabilillah. That is jihad bin nafs. Not jihad against your nafs. Not jihadun nafs. Allah says jahidul Strive against the disbelievers and the munafiqs. Not against your nafs. Your nafs is a precious thing that Allah has given you. It's part of you. Why would Allah want you to strive against it? Strive with it. Okay? So the so ask part we're done with, now believe. Now Musa salam was a man who believed. He was a prophet who believed. People behind him were doubting. Fir'aun's coming. It's over. Game over. But he believed. All he had was a stick in his hand and he had firm belief that when I hit this when I hit this stick in the ocean, Allah will make way for us. Allah will make the impossible possible for us. But this, imagine the level of yaqeen Musa alayhi salam had. And it, when he did hit the stick, what happened? Two mountains of oceans opened up, right? And they walked past through it. This is what yaqeen does. This yaqeen is the same yaqeen that allowed Ibrahim alayhi salam to walk into fire and not be, not be harmed by the fire. This is the same yaqeen that Ibrahim alayhi salam had when it came to you know, slaughtering his son. He had yaqeen that Allah won't, Allah won't wish evil for him. This is the same yaqeen that Hajar salam had when her son was dying of thirst. Ismail salam, right? What was she doing? Think about it. Safa and Marwa. How many of you have been to Umrah, Safa, Marwa, or Hajj? Great. Just think about it logically, right? Now a lady is desperately seeking water or something for her baby, right? She goes to the highest, mount, highest point possible, which is Safa. She goes up there, sees nothing. Right? She did it once. Now what's the other option? Goes to Marwa to see on the other side. Now logically, she should have done this once and realized that there is no hope and sat down and, and waited for her child to die. Correct or no? That's logically. But Hajar was trained by who? By Ibrahim salam. He trained her on how to have yaqeen. And he trained her, trained her that with yaqeen, with dua, comes effort. That's the formula. 
Dua plus effort equals results. Dua with yaqeen plus efforts equals results. And so she remembered this advice. And she, when she went up to Safa, saw nothing. She went to Marwa, she saw nothing. Then the yaqeen kicked in. And she remembered, okay, Allah is going to make something impossible happen. I just have to keep doing this. So she was willing to go to Safa, Marwa, Safa, Marwa for as long as it would take until Allah would make the impossible possible and Allah 